How dare you? Done. Double dog dare. Triple. All right. So, uh, uh, questions chosen? Sure. Yes. All right. So, where we Let's left get into off e. last time, we had just finished biscuits. Uh, a, a biscuit round after discovering Paul Riviera dead in his trailer. The local doctor, Kira Matthews, uh, seems to suspect poisoning. I think we're going to have an extended pre-title card sequence. So before we begin the new day, production has wrapped for the day. The next segment, which is cakes, will be tomorrow. And the, that'll be the finale. But production's wrapped for the day. The sun is setting. And is there anything that you would like to do tonight? Got any plans? Maxine is going to have Linda, Lois, uh, well, whoever research uh, uh, cake tips for for her. No, I mean, like, if you want to investigate Paul's trailer again, or maybe go into the production trailer, or do that. the set. So these would be night moves, wouldn't they? Yeah, this is will be night moves. These are all midnight stuff. Can we break into the coroner's office and get the like the the autopsy report? No, because be somewhere else. There's no coroner in Brindlewood Bay. There is the you you could go to the doctor's office where the body is currently being stored. Uh, that's. That's up to you. Do we want to search the body again? No, we didn't. No, we did. You did. And we still have trailers. We didn't. Uh, there are trailers. <clears throat> However, uh, depending on the trailer, its occupants could be there. Just hmm. we'll see. Uh, so or we you can just trailer. go here. And then it's the production. You said there's the production trailer and what else? Uh, the Obi has decided that this is the room he wants to bring his, his food toys in to. Um, <laughs> there's the production trailer. There is the, the tent where you film and there is the judge's tent. Mm. We should search our tent and judge's tent and also sabotage the other competitors' baking stations. I don't think that's necessary. Not very in the spirit of the Brindlewood Baking Show. The Jolly Good Baking Show. Yeah. The Jolly Good Baking Show. Um, still might be a, a good idea to check out at least one, if not both, of the tents, potentially. I'm down. But these are dangerous, right? They could be. It's, the it's the nice. risks will be higher, but that doesn't mean there's it doesn't mean anything's going to happen. Just that if something does, it it will be riskier. 
We don't say. We did just level up. We did. True. So, uh, Maxine, where, where do you think you should begin? Let's start with the judge's tent. All right. So the judge's tent is a little bit away from the, the competitor's tent. It is smaller and it is normally decorated to look like a quaint cottage somewhere in the English countryside, but it's been given an American flair for this special episode. What sort of American gugas do you see? And we'll start with Maxine. There is a slightly melty uh, Statue of Liberty design, but instead of the torch, it's got like a cake platter. So they can put things on it, but like they clearly bought it intending to use it, but it, it's so ugly. It looks like they probably chose not to film it. Anyone else? The entire outside of the tent canvas is decorated in the stars and stripes. <laughs> Festooned, even. <laughs> they got license plates everywhere. License plates? On the walls and shit. Like one from each state or something. Oh, that's so Cracker Barrel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's the vibe we're going for. That's the vibe they're going for. All right. I really wanted that feel, you know? Well, it is, uh, it is dark in the tent. But there's no security of anything. It was easy to, to just unzip the flaps and walk in. The whole of the tent is pretty much dedicated to a small sitting area near the, the back for the, well, what was the, what were the two judges to sit and discuss? There's not too much going on in here. A lot of decorations, a lot of, uh, cooking thing like implements and books and stuff like that. What are you doing in here? Uh, Rosemary. Oh, I'm there too. I thought, okay. Um, or, sorry. Is, I, I assumed everyone was there together. Are we? Or could we split up? You could split up. I'm not splitting up at night. I just almost got stabbed. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> okay, so we're there together. Um, <laughs> if you want to go off alone, <laughs> how are you? Care of herself. Um, with a flashlight or? Uh, there's no like ambient light. Not too much. Okay, it's it's dark. And yes. Um, Rosemary reaches in her little bag and she's got a um, um, a pocket flashlight in there. And yeah, we're looking around. Um, let's check the... 
don't know. Can we check like the other people's stations? In the judge's tent, there's there's just the there's only the judge. Yeah, just the sitting area for them. Let's check it. Yeah, let's look for under the tables and in the judging areas and try to look around the chairs and everything. Hi, Obi. Bless that baby. Just make as much noise as he can. Um, all right. So who wants to do the searching? I'm going to ask for a roll. I see. I have to pull up the roll. Well, I mean, first place. Sounds like crawling around under a table and stuff. So not Maxine. Maxine will supervise. Oh, pff, Rosemary's down. Um, All right, Rosemary, please do a meddling roll with. Tell me composure. (laughs) I think. Please tell me composure. I think it's just reason. God. Sorry, you are examining a. It's not a crime scene. No, but you're not. I don't require a steady. I'm in the dark and I need to be calm because I'm trying to be quiet, right? And I'm concentrating. Mm. Reason, please. God. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to litigate the hell out of everything. <laughs> Great. Um, you said reason, so two plus one. Yep. Oh, uh, do I need uh, to link to the thing or does everyone know? Everyone got, I got it? it. Cool. Yeah, I got it. It's on the info tab. If you don't have. Do I have? Oh, okay. I kept thinking that like I had to resave the role because I had to whatever it's saved in it. And I think that's amazing. What? That's a six. That's so good. So, you know how this goes. You find nothing, or you can put on a crown and find something. Nah. All right. Then while you are looking around and uh, scouring the judge's tent, you find nothing nothing particularly noteworthy. What other set pieces are in here aside from the sitting area? That's pretty much it. They don't have any like cupboards or anything where like anything could be secreted yeah. away. There's some, there's some bookshelves and uh, some little, what's it called? Where you put, not a, a crèche? Like, where does where do you put antiques in the on a shelf? It's like a shelf for antiques. A cabinet. Yeah, but it's a fancy cabinet. 
fancy cabinet. There's some fancy yeah, cabinets. <laughs> for um, little, like, it's where you you see uh, Jane Leaf, both of there actually, Jane Leaf and Paul Riviera's. Are you um, talking about a credenza, a sideboard? Yeah. Or Thank you. Credenza. <laughs> um, you see a couple of awards for them, like for for the show, for each of them, and some of their cookbooks and various little uh, pieces of memorabilia. Is There's like a uh, bookshelf. Yep, bookshelves. Uh, I was thinking about like maybe rifling through the books, see if there's anything hidden in the pages or anything. That sounds like a medal with reason. Or a secret passageway. Inside the <laughs> book? Yes. It's, it's like you pull the, the book uh... and then like the ground opens up. Wow. Um, I want to check the credenza to see if there's a missing Britty award, like a spot where it was clearly taken out or something like that. Um, uh, I the, got a nine. We'll come back to that, but uh, Violet, you got a nine. So, oh, you find. While you're looking through the books, you actually find one of Jane Leaf's, you find a cookbook that's written by both Jane Leaf and Paul Riviera. It was a like a, a tie-in to the first season of the uh, Jolly Good Baking Show. And it was a very popular book. But flipping through it, you see that one of Paul's recipes is torn out. The gimmick was that on each page, or on each every two pages, it was one by Jane, one by Paul, and one of Paul's is missing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is it possible at all to discern from context what recipe may be at all? Like if this um, a section, or is that something we would do in like the? It could like, be something you do during theorize if you if you want to. If you want me to say, like, it's a, it is a dessert recipe. Okay. Uh, Maxine, you. Um, I think, yeah, that's, that's, I'll just give that to you for free. You don't need to roll unless you'd like to. No. Okay. No well, roll has the opportunity to get a twelve. My my answer uh, is not. No. All right. Uh, you do find a place where there is a, a a void in the dust, if you will, that the Britty Award would have fit in. Hmm. Is that a clue? <laughs> That is not a clue. The clue was the broken or the shattered pretty ward. Oh. You just know where it came from now. <sighs> Obi has decided something is amiss and he must be assisted. 
He's he's closed the door and himself trapping him in the room. <laughs> oh no. And it's your fault. Yeah, it's, it's our problem. All right. So nothing much to learn from where the Brady Award was. You already knew it belonged to Paul Riviera. <clears throat> what what now? Well, I think that's everything in that area then, right? Probably. I think so. Move on to the uh, contestant, contestant's tent then, I think. All right. As you approach the contestant tent, you hear some noises from within. Some rather lewd noises. And as you get closer, you discern that one of the occupants making that noise is Donna Riviera. It well, sounds, someone's having fun in there. That's perfectly innocent uh, as far as it goes, but... Mm-hmm. Is... <laughs> you said it's in the... In a trailer? In the contestant tent. Oh, the tent. Is the tent knocking or rocking? It seems to be rocking. Come on, we make food in there. Moira's, uh, no, uh, Maxine's just going to go in immediately and just be like, Donna, Buck, not even going to look for Buck, I'm just going to make the assumption. All right. You walk into the darkened tent and you say Donna and there is a gasp followed by a muttered curse followed by the uh, clear sounds of two people uh, pulling their clothes back into place and making a break for the rear exit of the tent. We should have had someone go around it. Can I uh, shine my light to see real quick? Who they you are? you absolutely can. You want to do that? Is that a is that a roll of some kind? No. Then yes, no. I will shine the light. <laughs> you see, exiting out the back flap, Donna Riviera, her her uh, leopard print dress hiked up a little too high as she's adjusted in the dark, and Buck with his. Uh, shirt in hand as he slips out the back. Oh, uh, he says, oh, hold on, you two. We've, we've seen that before. Before you head out, you can tell us what else you might know here, or perhaps we should share those photographs that Rose, uh, Rosemary took just now. Buck kind of curses under his breath and 
stops retreating and, and kind of you hear him say something to the other person before just lifting the flap and walking back in his eyes kind of downcast and he just smiles he's got his his jeans just zipped up enough to obscure anything untoward and he just smiles at the three of you and says ladies we eat in here buck you cook in here that's a that's worse yeah yeah i agree with maxine that's worse is everything okay in here? We heard some some rumbling around. Yes, Miss Rosemary thinks we're just fine. Now, Buck, amidst all the, the chaos of yesterday and uh, the chaos of several moments ago, we didn't get to ask you any questions and, and perhaps it'd be helpful for you to answer them now since you know it would be unfortunate if this entire tent had to be sanitized before tomorrow's shooting. I thought it was already sanitized. This entire tent really needs to be sanitized anyway. He looks abashed, but kind of amusedly so. Like, your camera just died, Matt. Um, I see that. Like, he doesn't look it's like he's sorry he got caught. Not not really sorry. Violet moves and just covers Jerry's eyes. <laughs> um, he says, "If you don't mind letting me get dressed first, I'll I'll help any way I can, Miss Maxine." Oh, it's nothing some women like us haven't seen before. I'm sure that's the case, Rosemary. Rosemary giggles. I could, I could leave it off. You know, kind of wink. Violet just kind of rolls her eyes and says, get your shirt on. But he, he does. And then he, uh, he kind of composes himself. He, you know, flattens his hair and clears his throat and says, right. How can I help? Where'd Donna go? Back to uh, grieving in her trailer, I presume. And to uh, help her through the process, I see. Everyone grieves differently. I try to help her where I can. Should we momentarily pause until Matt is better? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I missed all of that, so just carry on. Uh, we told Buck to, well, Violet told Buck to put his shirt back on. And we asked where Ro, uh, Donna went, and she is apparently uh, back in her trailer, I presume. Yep. So, note.
So, so uh, Maxine says, looks him up and down and says, so well, the, the sneaking around you must be doing, you probably have a pretty good idea what happened to Paul. That's not exactly the kind of sneaking around I usually get up to, Miss Maxine. And what do you get up to? Well, not a lot of sneaking around at all. If you think Mr. Riviera didn't know what Mrs. Riviera was up to, I hate to disappoint, but... Oh, is this like an, an open thing? Probably just kind of like gestures. Well... An agreement. A detente. What goes on between two consenting adults is totally fine. That... Three, in this case. Oh, right. Four, actually. Oh. Well, else is in the picture here that we're missing, Buck? You know about Scott and Paul, right? Everyone knows about Scott and Paul. Violet, Violet just makes one of those like, mm, yeah, yeah, pretty much yeah, faces. And that's the understanding. He gets his and she gets hers. And I get a job. Everyone's happy. Well, likely except for, you know, you, given that puts Donna and you at prime suspects for, and Maxi just sort of like, does the, the throat cutting mime? I don't know what makes you think I'd have any reason to kill him. Oh, I don't, dear, but recognize that our simple small town sheriff is going to see the arrangement and think of nothing more than a jealous lover's quarrel. It will shine the spotlight on the two of you rather unflatteringly. But what would they have to be jealous about? That's the question. Our, our dear sheriff uh, would not understand such an, an agreement being the small town simple mind that he is. Well, well we then, could help him to understand if there's, if there. He just shushes Rosemary because he's <laughs> undermined. <laughs> and I trust that the evidence will show the truth. It would be certainly helpful if there were a bit more evidence to point away from your involvement. Do you want to collect samples? Violet just wrinkles her nose and <laughs> looks at Rosemary like, what? I have not much information for you. If you're looking for an alibi, well, I do have one of those. She just ran out of this tent and back to her trailer. Ah, of course, convenient. You'll have to do better than that, I'm afraid. 
Uh, would you like a list of the activities, perhaps the order we performed them in? Nope. Well, it's just like, nope, no thank you. I don't know who killed Mr. Riviera. I'm not particularly pleased that someone did. Can't say I'll miss the man himself, but he was important to the show and he was important to Donna. And for that, I'm sorry, he's gone. Oh, come now. Cameraman, wandering around, eventually becoming part of the scenery. You must have a better, a better idea than that. You see things. People, people forget the camera's there eventually and all sorts of things are uttered that they shouldn't be. I'm gonna need a medal of presence. Mm-hmm. Are you wearing my awesome detecting outfit? You have not had a chance to change. <laughs> what if I was already wearing it? No. It just materializes onto her body. <laughs> it's it's her fancy outfit. She would have been wearing it to the fancy filming. You got a nine. Would you like to put on a crown and bump that up? No. All right. I've already given you that one. Um, Okay. Buck kind of takes a a step forward and puts his hands down on the the closest counter and looks up and says, (laughs) Mr. Riviera and Mrs. Riviera had some disagreements over the years. I'm sure like any married couple, our arrangement they could agree on, but Mr. Riviera rewind that. I'm changing the clue I'm giving you. So Mm. rewind, stop, play. Buck says, look, I don't know all the details about whatever arrangement was going on between these two, but I do know that Miss uh, Mellon had recently asked Paul for some financial assistance. I don't know the details there. I just overheard something I wasn't meant to hear. Maxine 
smiles conspiratorially. Was that so hard, Buck? This job is important to me, miss. I hope you can understand why I wouldn't want to endanger it. But of course. And a speedy resolution that closes the case firmly will only help that. Depends who closes the case on. If you'll excuse me, I uh, seem to have misplaced my underwear and I should maybe try and get a new pair. Oh, Buck, before you go, uh, tomorrow when we're filming, Maxine points, this is the better side and that light needs to move. And she points at one of the stage lights. <laughs> he looks and says, so noted. And he starts. He's clean the counters tomorrow. Thanks. The production staff will take care of it. Don't worry. And he departs. Now, there is a complication with that clue. You are owed a complication. And I think the complication is that you're not going to find Sue Mellon here tonight. Where'd she go? Out on the town. We need maybe. one for my role as well, don't we? Uh, that one, the complication there is that you don't know what the recipe is for. It's a dessert. Okay. It's in the dessert section, but that's, that's all you got. Got 12 clues so far. Mm -hmm. That is more than enough to get a, a plus five on a theorized role. However, are you, are you done your night investigation? I think that's all the locations we had even, right? There's the production uh, trailer, isn't there? Yes, there's a production trailer. We could check that. Yes, to it. Check them. Everyone going? Yes. Yep. Yes. All right. You get to the production trailer. It is unlocked and empty. Dark on the inside. What do you do? Do I have my flashlight? You do have your flashlight. And I'm looking around with a flashlight. <laughs> so as a reminder, it is night. Dark things can happen. Are you going to continue? Why are you threatening us? Just reminding. If you are looking around in the, the production tent, just, just reminding. Threatening. That's a threat. What? How are you looking around in there? What are you carefully? What are you doing? 
Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, Maxine will relate that she already reviewed the footage earlier. So we were looking for other things. And that she couldn't look uh, any any further than the footage because Heath was there while she was in here. Right. Heath, notably, is not staying in a trailer. Heath has a room at one of the local B&Bs. He does. So what is, what is in the production trailer? Well, yeah, I was going to say, are... is this like a trailer for the product? for production to stay in or is it like a product like production like that's where production happens the rest of the crew are staying at yeah bnbs as well this is where production is uh where it takes place it's where the computers are there's heath's desk and like binders of paper material and like yeah. Well, we knew there was contract problems. Let's let's look through the papers. All right. Uh, then you should roll with reason. Do we get an advantage for knowing what we're looking for? <laughs> no. Knowing what you're looking for is why you get to roll at all. Oof. Ouch. Wait, oh no. I'm going to give you a clue anyway. What? While you are looking around, you find tucked into one of the uh, production binders, it's notably um, a binder about Brindlewood about this particular thing. It's where all the, your contracts and releases and uh, waivers and such are stored. And all that you find tucked in between two pages, a pair of plane tickets to somewhere far, far away. Hmm. Is this possibly That's the next location of the next season? Does it say whose plane tickets they are? Like our names printed on them? There are not. But they but we were can make that up, right? hidden. Yes. And as you are looking over the plane tickets, you hear the door to the trailer close shut behind you. And a... Uh, rustle of activity outside. Violet walks over to check the door to see if it was, if it's still open. It, the handle turns, but it, something is barricading it from the outside. Violet like kind of just like shakes the, the door a little bit with her, her grip on the handle and looks over to the other team and says, it's, it's blocked. Someone blocked us in. 
Hello, Rosemary will call um, to somebody that may be outside the trailer or whatever. Nobody answers, but you see from the window an orange light just glow into life. Doesn't this remind you of something that once happened to Amanda Delacourt? <laughs> oh, does it? <laughs> in, in which book which was that? Uh, I think that was in the Basilisk Protocol. Tell us about it. Um, Amanda was trapped in a the place where they keep all of the computers, where it's secure. A, a server room, yes, okay. and and it was it was getting increasingly cold. Someone had had cranked the air to try to freeze her to death. And she was able to use uh, technical equipment to prick the door open, to, uh, to wedge something in such a way that it was able to, to snap the lock. This door's barricaded though. Snapping a lock, breaking, physically breaking the door. Using like a lever. Uh -huh. But the door is, something is blocking the door. Oh, I assume like something like through the door handle. No, no. I don't know. Uh <laughs> Violet was just going to try to, like, push it open. Yeah, because you got the stat. Well, yeah. what, one? Okay, one fine. One extra stat vitality. vitality. Let's not do that, then. Wait, so you're not, you're not going to use the, the gold crown move? Apparently not. <laughs> All right. You want to try uh, to judge the story first? Yeah, you can. You want to save that. Yeah, if you want to just try to break the door down, we can try that first. All right. All right. So uh, I will need a night move on vitality. But first, what are you afraid could happen if you fail? Um. trying to like shove through the door pretty much um if i fail well, she's gonna be throwing a lot of her weight against it so if she fails and the door still sticks then that would probably like fuck her shoulder up at least why are these old women getting hurt? That, that's fair. Uh, I will tell you how it's worse than you fear. Oh if you don't manage to get the door open, 
You'll all burn to death. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. oh, good. So, uh, please roll a two plus two d six plus your vitality. Are we sure we want to do this? <laughs> Was that that is uh, a six? A six. That is not a success. Wait, hold on. I. <laughs> Also have the BA Baracus Maiden move. Can I use that here? Once per session, if you or any number of your fellow mavens would suffer physical harm, you can describe how that physical harm is just nearly avoided. <laughs> yes, you can. Burning to death yes, is physical harm. Yes, you you absolutely can. However, that doesn't save us. <laughs> what does any and yeah, fellow, any fellow number maven. of your fellow mavens. Oh, is Jerry a maven? Hmm. No, you're Jerry. the worst person. He's an honorary <laughs> maven. He's the maven mascot. How dare you? At his own little bed in the yeah. bookstore and everything. <laughs> Okay, yep. Jerry is a maven. How do you how do you and Jerry just narrowly escape this physical harm? So when the door fails to open, um Violet decides to go for the window instead because it is weaker than the door and therefore more uh yeah, more vulnerable to like trying to like pop it out so everybody can can crawl out to safety. And as you reach safety, you see the mm -hmm. fire lit beneath the the trailer starting to spread to the trailer itself. And you know that had you stayed in for much longer, it would have gotten very bad. As you see uh, Buck and um, Buck and Timothy actually running for the trailer with um, fire extinguishers, what do you do? Do you take this opportunity to slink away? One your thing. Like wing, currently wing, whether it's like how worth it is for other people to know somebody tried to kill us collectively. Yeah. Or also the fact that we were sneaking around. I mean, that can be easily explained. You're supposed to be home. As much as- supposed to be investigating. That's true. As much as I, I, uh, Maxine does love the spotlight, this is not the kind of, of mood lighting she was hoping for. So uh, perhaps discretion is the better part of valor. Um, I mean, well, I feel like we kind of explain our way out of it. It's just like, oh, you know, I, I, I got home and realized that I forgot something and I came back and I was just looking for it and then this happened. <laughs> 
Nope, we should definitely go. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, while they're distracted, we could we could make take our leave. All right, so you get home a little shaken, but thankfully no worse for wear. And not stirred. <laughs> and it's as you get to your houses and say your goodnights and, and agree that you'll see each other tomorrow that the title card rises. And after a short commercial break, it is morning again, but we'll we'll take that commercial break now. How's or, do, or are we good to keep going? What's the dog was barking? We should probably go check on him. <laughs> is it okay? All right, five minutes. That's good. Yes. All right. Resume playback. All right. As we come back from commercial break, it is. Morning in Brindlewood Bay, a little earlier than usual for most of you, I assume. But uh, Rosemary, you aren't quite awake yet. Your arm's about to go off, but... I thought you said your arm's about to go off. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of... Oh, my arm, and it goes on adventures during the evening without you. Uh, That's what happens. What what is Odamit? Deleted... Void clues. <laughs> you did what? That's why we have rollback. Undo. <laughs> just go to the version history. Wait, for just the... What was there? Is it just this one, or yeah. are you talking about all of them? I deleted all of them. Oh. Well, was... the last one was the Screaming Cake. The radio that said void. Correct. Screaming cake. Correct. Um, gathering around the... This... Uh, no. We don't have to remember them it. off the top of our head. It's in the... It's yep, in I got the them. I just have to get them back in. I think. I can't actually restore it because it's on a... I discovered something very wrong with the math on this. So I fixed it up and then copied the new version into our file and then just copied over what I remembered to copy over, but I forgot. Forgot some of it. Okay. Sorry about this. Hooray for version history. Okay. Rosemary, in your dream, 
you are approaching you're not just approaching it is it is night and you find yourself kind of flying over the town almost as if you were a bird and the town you you come in from off off the shore and as the town kind of flows beneath you you see the set and and the trailers and the tent for the jolly good baking show and as you see it you notice that there is something very wrong with the area the shadows are all all off and they seem to coalesce and swirl together and kind of shift into the shape of something unnatural and it crawls onto the baking tent as if it's it's taking up residence atop its canvas roof and as you draw near the shadow seems to reach up and swallow you whole and you wake up it is morning and how are you spending the morning after the stream but before you go in for your final segment and the the finale choosing a finale outfit and what's that in my picture Ooh. For those of you at home, and what um what Rosemary is currently wearing is <laughs> Oh, it's fancy. It's the finale. Yeah. That is that is a good finale outfit. I like the sunglasses. Always All right. So, Violet, how's your morning going? Uh, well, being in a baking show has not is not going to stop Violet's uh, morning routine of going for a jog. So she is. Uh, how late is it in the morning now? It's it's early still, like. Uh, Six-ish, seven-ish. I'd say she's kind of like rounding up her her jogging route and just finishing up, coming back, uh, trying to sort of run off the memories of nearly dying twice yesterday. Because <laughs> that was the thing. She seems even more um, deeply appreciative of Jerry's presence uh, as he's running with her just enjoying the company and like the feeling of of safety uh that she has even though he's he's not a great guard dog but just <laughs> having him there is is comforting very good and maxine uh maxine is uh sitting on 
uh, a chaise and is brushing out her hat with a a uh, a hair a hairbrush, but like a, a very fancy like silver handle, uh, not hard. It's very soft and delicate hairbrush. And and meanwhile, um, uh, Layla is uh, reading cake making tips at her and keeps trying to like hand her uh, coffee and Maxine keeps being like, no, I'm, I'm busy brushing my hat. All right. Mm-hmm. It is time to head to the set. And as you arrive, you see Heath talking to Buck and Timothy and they all look a little disconcerted, taking glances at the obvious scorch marks around the outside of the tent. But it seems like nothing too bad happened and uh, the show is just fine to continue and nothing was lost. So it wasn't burned to the ground? It was not. Thankfully, uh, Buck and Timothy managed to put it out. You see the usual suspects uh, here. You see Sim and Sim and Timothy, <laughs> Sue and Timothy getting ready for the day. Timothy is kind of limbering up, kind of awkwardly, a little bit away from everyone else, stretching and and uh, preparing to, I'm sure, do more totally unnecessary cartwheels. You see Jane making some some notes and looking a little uh, a little sad as she she sits waiting for things to begin scott looks very very far away maxine wants to pull scott away for a minute and talk to him if we have time for that go for it you'll have to be quick so maxine sort of uh floats over and then directs him off to the side a little bit and sort of um is he tall or short middling okay well then she doesn't change height at all she just looks at him and says my dear i was thinking about your predicament the other night and well last night and it occurred to me that you should know that the the eyes of the world will be on you soon whether you wish them or not because of what has happened here. And if I have learned anything in my years in the theater, it is when the eyes of the world are on you, you must take take that gaze and bring it inside and then project it back out and make with it the life that you want. And this will be your chance, your time to make a new life for yourself when you have the attention of the world. And it may be difficult and you may not want the attention of the world, but you will have it nonetheless, and you should use it rather than hide from it. Now, this may be the last time we have a chance to, you know, have a little discussion. Is there anything else at all you can share that might help us put, put uh, Paul, give him some justice? He looks very, well, frankly, overwhelmed by all of that. You just, <laughs> <laughs> you just, just leveled on him. And uh, 
he he'll blink at you and kind of go what mm -hmm. oh my dear i know it's overwhelming but but you must take it in stride i will do my best thank you maxine and he'll just start wandering off oh well it was worth a shot Tell him. Opie can be like our our Jerry sound effects. Standard. Right, right. <laughs> Edit those in. <laughs> um, probably not going to do that. But thank you. Um, at just the right moments, so <laughs> adds a realism to it. Uh, all right, so you are in the tent and getting ready for your first segment of the day, your last cooking segment. This is the big one. It's going to be the longest one. It's going to be three hours. And you are, no, that's, I don't, eh. How long do the cakes have? For nowadays, yeah, it used to be longer, but they get they crunch the time a lot more in the newer seasons. All right, let's let's say four hours. They're not trying to be nasty. You are going to have four hours, as as Sue and Timothy announce from the front with Jane standing with them. You're going to have four hours to wow us with a cake. We want layers, we want icing, we want decorations, we want originality, we want to be blown away by what you bake today. This is your last chance to impress, well, and save yourself Jane. from elimination. Oh. And Jane will kind of give a, a sad little smile. And Sue so will go on. And do it, do it for Paul. So with that, bakers, bake. Has, important question for Maxine, has the light been moved so it's catching her good side now? It has. <laughs> the light has been adjusted. Excellent. All right, so. Bakers, what are you baking? Let's start with Maxine. Well, Maxine is baking a uh, vanilla and lemon swirled sponge layered with uh, vanilla creme pâtissière uh, and then decorated with concentric rings of fruit and a um, red currant jelly glaze over top to set it. All right, and Violet. Violet will be making a two-tier vanilla sponge that will have dried out cherry blossom petals in it and will be flavored with a cherry cordial. The decoration is going to be a like sakura cherry blossom tree with the majority of the blossoms uh, 
decorated like uh the majority of the blossoms like on the top and then with the trunk kind of like flowing down over the uh two layers on top of uh a layer of fondant the uh cherry tree itself will be in buttercream icing wow all right uh and rosemary cranberry vodka cake with a special ingredient <laughs> and what's the special ingredient now, if I told you it wouldn't be special, now would it? Well played, but uh, please but take off GM your may, mask. May need to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, true to her um, history, she's incorporating meat in this um, cake. With meat, okay. But she's sure. tight-lipped about what kind. Only mildly concerned. Yep. <laughs> as you, as you mentioned to Buck and Heath cranberry vodka cake you hear a muffled like under the breath curse from melanie behind you and you hear the frantic scratching out of notes as she changes whatever she must have been planning and uh when heath and buck go over to her and ask what she's going to make, she takes a, a moment and she decides she is going to make a sea salt caramel cake. And then moving on to Scott, who has to be kind of roused to attention, he announces he is going to make a berry, berry chantilly, chantilly cake. And Jane kind of looks a little wistful and says, are you making Paul's recipe? And he says, yes, I am. And they get to work. So you have some time while you wait for things to bake and not much time, but is there anything you would like to try and do between breaths here? We or never actually questioned Melanie, right? Or Sue or Timothy. No. What you gonna do? Time's the ticking. Are they, well, are they going to come over and talk to us? The hosts? Yeah. You know. Yeah, they, they will be walking around between people and kind of, you know, discussing what's going on and how things are going. But that'd be filmed, right? Yes. Mm. I 
I think that we should probably try to talk with Sue, given we have some, we have at least like two things that kind of point at her potentially. Mm. All right. Yes. Yeah, like between breaks or something. Yeah, you'll get a little little water breaks and bathroom breaks. All the and... cakes are baking. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as as there's a small break, everyone starts, uh, you know, running for the the bathrooms or getting small snacks. And Sue is behind the tent, looking at her phone. Um, and Rosemary will just like appear behind her <laughs> or at least to her materializes. Yes. She just happens to be there. Um, and she'll say, um, you know, I never quite expected to be um, on a show of this caliber, but it is so amazing. You know, this one time my husband and I, we were at the filming of um, this amazing Broadway play and, sorry, musical, Broadway musical. <laughs> and um, they were filming it for the first time and it was so lovely. There's all these lights and the camera and the, oh my God, I just, I was she so elated to and, be and put, there. puts and, a know, hand just, on, on your arm and says, that sounds yes. lovely, Rosemary. How are you today, dear? Well, and she she gives like a nervous, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, well, you know, one of my bosses was murdered yesterday and uh, who, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, but, you know, it's, it's I'm, I'm happy to be here with all of you and, and glad to have this if, uh, if things do fall through, glad that we got to end on this note aside from, you know, the murder. Murder and the fire, right? Oh, I heard about that. That I'm just I'm glad that nothing nothing really came of it. No one was hurt and the, the production trailer was okay. How strange. That is strange. Why would someone go and try to burn down the production tent? Isn't that like probably one of the most important tents? Uh, it is on the set. If we lost that, I don't think we could continue filming. Mm. Do you think that anybody would want that? Or do you think it was probably an accident? I can't think of anyone. We, I, are, are, are you asking if I set fire to the production trailer? No. Oh. Because I, I, well, frankly, not only do I love this job, I need this job. It's very important to you, isn't it? It it is. This is my this is my career now. This is what I do. How long do you think you'll be doing this job? Well, as long as they have forever. Mm-hmm. Oh. And her face kind of falls and she goes, if if that's the way it works out. Where do you think the next season will be? Oh, I'm sure we'll be back 
back in the UK for the, the full season, but for the on the road, oh, I have no idea. Maybe, maybe we'll do something really out there like Canada. Such a lovely place. You know, my husband and I, we went on this boating trip out in Canada. It was off on one of their, those amazing lakes that they have out there. I can't remember which one it is, but it was yes, yes, so... It, it sounds lovely. I've and, heard it's beautiful. Can I help you with anything else, Rosemary? We, we must be getting back into the tent soon. Mm. Should I ask anything else? I'm not a questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> um... For the purpose of investigation and everything, where was she when Paul died? That's true. What did you have for dinner last night? For dinner last night, I actually went out to a uh, one of your local restaurants, the uh, Friar Tux. <gasps> I love the Friar Tux. It's so delicious. They have the best paninis over there. What did you have? Oh, the spaghetti bolognese. Just you? Those are pretty big servings. Well, I'm a growing girl. She'll, she'll pat her tummy. Mm, I would think that uh, you would go out with like the cast or anything. Don't you guys eat together? The cast? No. No, we, we tend to I meant, keep like, things a little separate. You know, the whole group like the production oh uh well sometimes but i think we all wanted some time to ourselves last night Coming that's to terms understandable with that is understandable and did you did you get that um the mints that they have when you were catching out i didn't she is trying to catch her in a lie at this point <laughs> i think that's going to be a medal with reason <laughs> I'll do it. I don't give a shit. Um, where's my reason roll? Oops. That's a nine. Hey. Now tell me. <laughs> <laughs> tell me your secrets. She says, uh, no, no, uh, didn't didn't take any mints, but uh, we we must be going inside. Are you sure? Because I usually give you one with your receipt. Hmm. No, I uh, I left cash on the table and and just left. Uh, if you'll excuse me, and she will leave. But as she does, you notice on the ground where she was standing. A uh, small little uh, plastic, this little rectangle of plastic, and attached to it are two diamond earrings shaped like tiny loaves of bread. They look extremely expensive. Bread earrings? Bread earrings. All right, back into the tent. 
it is time. The rest of your, your baking goes fairly uneventful, except you hear the, the muttered curses of Melanie, who seems to be under a lot of stress. Um, it, can, can I check on her? Yes, but quickly. Uh, Rosemary will hear um, her kind of flustered over there and kind of shuffle over because her cake still has some time to go. And she'll say, is everything okay? And as you ask that, you see Buck turn and, and approach with the camera. He's he's a-watching. And he and Melanie goes, oh, oh, you know how it is. Just, uh, you know, lots riding on this cake. You are absolutely right. Is there anything I can do to help? I got some time. Oh, wow. Rosemary, that's that's really sweet. Actually, um, wow. Can you please... Uh, do you mind just measuring out a couple teaspoons of this uh, uh, vanilla extract for me? I... Uh, need to get going with other things. Just and this is where Rosemary sabotages the fuck out of her. No, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm joking. Um, she does carefully measure out the vanilla extract as, as requested. And um, uh, thank you so much, Rosemary. This is just, wow, thank you. I know oh, you have your own. Dear. It is smells that, delicious so far. Your smells is that do I smell beef? Uh-huh. Close. No cigarette. Right? No. No cigarillo. Um no. Violet just yells out, cigar, honey. That. Oh you no. Know, my JJ he used to smoke lots of cigars he was a connoisseur as they would say and there was this one time he was smoking in the house after i told him uh, absolutely Rosemary, not we, to we really need to get we oh, really gotta you get are going. so right i am so sorry here's your vanilla <laughs> thank um, you thank you you're you're such a sweetheart please good luck and don't mess it up <laughs> yes of course and she goes back to work. Now, it's time. As Sue and Timothy approach the, the front and call for an end to the baking. Don't suppose Amanda Delacorte was ever in a baking contest that I could somehow pull an amazing go to this. Uh, I don't think so, but um, what... Are, what is your status when they call to put your whisks or whatever down? Like, are you done? Are you still, what's, how are things going? I would say uh, Maxine is like, she has three seconds of work left. So she quickly like finishes the, the drizzle and then like puts the, the thing down uh, to, to make time. 
So she, she just squeaked in under, under the time limit. Violet was fairly ambitious with her decorating. So I would say she doesn't have as many of like the cherry blossoms on the cake, like decorating uh, as she wanted. Um, so she tries, like she makes an executive decision to do like fewer blossoms neatly instead of like a lot of like the ton of blossoms she originally planned like messily. All right, and Rosemary? So Rosemary is doing the final touches on her design and um, as she's doing so, um, she can tell she's getting looks, but she doesn't care. She's blissfully just, um, you know, finishing the decorations on this monster of a cake. All right. Well then. When Timothy sees this, he'll he'll approach and say, Miss Rosemary, you gotta stop working on your cake. Uh, if like I must. Hands on the hip, like. And so now it's time for the judging. Maxine's vanilla and lemon swirled sponge with creme patissier, concentric rings of fruit, and a red currant jelly glaze. Martin, was it a triumph or a bit of a disappointment? It was a triumph. Make a note. And Tracy, in what way was it a triumph? Uh, the sponge was baked perfectly. It's not too dry. Um, and it's not like it's, it's baked through completely. So there's no, you know, it's not like underbaked in the middle and the flavors are all balanced perfectly. The decoration is, is on point. And I think that the the uh, red currant jelly glaze actually turned out even better than you could have expected. It is just a nice even layer and just brightens the whole thing. It's, it's light catching and eye catching. It's, uh, it worked out really well. Violet's two-tier vanilla sponge with dried cherry blossoms and cherry cordial in the, the sponge, decorated with a, a uh, fondant and cherry blossom secura tree with just a lot of, a lot of effort being put into here. Um, Matt, triumph or a little disappointing? Oh, it was a triumph. Martin, in what way was it a triumph? It's just so fucking pretty. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, the, the cherry blossoms and especially the flavor 
really comes through, which is difficult considering the um, the flavor that it is, um, because most people like kind of cop out and just put cherry, but Violet's somehow able to um, really get that uh, the real essence of that that delicate sakura flavor. Great. Um, all right. And I think that it was a success because well, the fondant is fondant is always kind of a controversial choice and fondant can can always look good, but sometimes not not add much flavor wise. But I think, yeah, you've really, Violet has really nailed it. And it is uh, just, I mean, as, as Martin said, you pretty co covered it pretty well with it. It's so fucking pretty. And Rosemary's cranberry vodka cake with meat. Mystery meat. Tracy. Triumph. I'm. Or... I'm gonna say it's a triumph because I wanna. I wanna hear how the fuck <laughs> this is a triumph. Frankly, Matt, what what part? Name one component of its triumph. Do I get to know what the mystery meat is before narrating this? Yeah, it's horse meat. Horse meat. All right, give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh just like in in it um so in my mind <laughs> i i'm not trying to tell you how it's successful but rosemary creates this cake that's like in the shape of the shadow that she saw in her dream and it's like this monster that's Mouth is covered in like blood. <laughs> wow. Okay. But it's cranberry and like horse meat. <laughs> oh, Tracy is dying. <laughs> it's like a cranberry okay. sauce, cranberry sauce, and then like the horse meat is. It's raw. <laughs> I, I've made, I, I looked up cakes made with meat and I am I actually know. like nauseated. <laughs> Someone has a chocolate steak cake. Uh, um, wow. I mean, candied bacon cake that. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. A meat cake with frosting and ketchup. In the um, center. Oh no. A, a meat loaf made to look like a cake with mashed potatoes as icing. And I'm like, that's cute, but oh sure. No. No. <laughs> Birthday meatloaf cake. That's hot. Paleo meat cake. Wow. Nothing. Oh wow. I think that's, I think you just need to close that tab. <laughs> I yeah, really do. Don't. You just tainted your history. Rosemary, I think, is breaking new ground here. 
That's what she does. A- am I allowed to say that the triumphant part was the, the cranberry vodka part of it is is good? And as long as you cut around the um, very arresting uh, decorating, it's it's quite good as a cake. Um, and the, the look is not something anyone will soon forget. Unforgettable. Yep. So, wow. Um, I think that it was a triumph because everyone's afraid to say anything else. It's true. <laughs> well, I think it was a triumph because they asked for something that would wow them and i think the first thing out of anyone's mouth when looking at it would be wow so success anyway um Mm -hmm. behind you or or, along with your cakes you see melanie's sea salt and caramel cake which is just gorgeous it is frosted with um cream cheese frosting and some uh uh, gingerbread gingerbread yeah crushed up like gingerbread along the bottom and uh it looks really great not not super special though it looks like a really well done cake and as Jane and Sue and Timothy try it, they're all, you know, nice. So this is this is lovely. It is. It's got the right balance of of butterscotch to, sorry, to caramel to the sea salt. It's it is a perfect example of what it is. But it doesn't really look very special, does it? And Melanie just starts crying just just tears and there's you know attempts to to comfort and all that but they very shortly move on to scott's and scott's berry chantilly cake is perfectly frosted and there's a nice melange of berries on top with mint leaves and little uh, little icing puffs and cutting into it you can see the berries different berries on each layer and every uh, layer of the cake is just exact thickness of the other ones it looks almost like something from like a, a art it is perfect in mathematically perfect even and as jane takes a bite she looks a little wistful and a small tear comes to her eyes and this is exactly how paul would have made it a triumph my dear a triumph and there's a small smattering of applause and scott looks a little tearful as well and then she turns to Rosemary's cake and goes, oh my, well, this is, this is certainly, oh my. Rosemary's just beaming. And Scott is like 
zooming into the cake and then moving and zooming in again. And you can tell like they're going to edit this into some kind of like quick cuts, like flash, flash, flash <laughs> of, of what this is. And uh, he, she, she takes a, a bite and she looks very confused. And she says, is that turkey? Horse meat. <laughs> Horse meat. And cranberry. Correct. Well, I, well, I don't know if I'd ever want to eat it again, but glad to hear it. I have never had anything like this. And darling, this is, well, this is avant-garde. This is, this is breaking all the rules in all of the right ways. And I applaud your inventiveness and your willingness to experiment and brava darling brava well thank you so much dear and good luck to you i hope you continue to bake and continue to experiment never stop experimenting oh i love a good science experiment Yes, maybe don't report this to science, though. <laughs> and she'll move on to Violet. And she'll go, oh, Violet, this is stunning. All these cherry blossoms. Oh, I suspect you would have gotten a handshake for this, my dear. Violet smiles back at her and... Uh, says, uh, my late wife and I once took a trip to Japan for the cherry blossom season, and I wanted to make this in her memory. Oh, well, well, I think you have, you would have made her very proud with this. And she takes a bite and she goes, mm. oh, this is delightful. And that cordial, oh my gosh. Well, I can see the competition is fierce today. Wow, I'm going, oh, just tremendous, Violet, tremendous. Violet mm. grins and also just like slowly slides the bottle of cordial over the counter to her. And Jane will, will <laughs> smile and say, thank you, why don't you... Just leave that there. I'll, I'll collect it later. And Maxine, uh, she'll turn to your cake and go, oh, would you look at that? Oh, that fruit. Oh, that glaze. Maxine, this looks beautiful. Maxine just smiles and says, oh, this, this one's a recipe from my, my housekeeper, Lila. I just, I just hope... It gets its just desserts. And she kind of titters. And Sue goes, ha! And Timothy goes, I don't get it. And she takes a bite and she, mm, 
oh, my darling, this is just, oh, it's so well balanced. I can taste each part of it, but nothing too much. Oh, this is, this is fabulous. And, and I suspect that you too would have been granted a, a famous Riviera handshake. I think all of you have done Paul proud today. So wipe away a tear. I, I don't know how I'm going to decide who to give this round to, but I must. And uh, if you'll excuse me, I will take some time to deliberate and return shortly. And as she leaves, she takes the cordial with her. You have a couple of minutes as, as you wait for her to return. How are you going to spend it? Uh, Violet. Well, it's going to go outside and ruffle Jerry's ears and, and just kind of play with him and give him a little bit of attention and um, unclip uh, his leash and walk over to Timothy. Timothy is uh, seemingly reciting some sort of comedic monologue, perhaps practicing for something. He's standing underneath one of the trees outside the tent and just talking to himself and gesticulating wildly. And he sees as you approaching, he goes, oh, hello, Violet. Hi, Jerry says hello too. Oh, she hello, Jerry. And he'll, he'll bend over, kind of hinge at the waist and just give Jerry kind of like an awkward, like, like a literal pat pat on the head, like someone who's not sure how to interact with, <laughs> with humanity. Violet uh, smiles and says, if you scritch him behind the right ear, you'll be his favorite person. Oh, that's good to know. And he'll just stand up and say, well, your cake sure looked like a tree. Violet kind of tilts her head a little and peers at him and says, thank you. You're very welcome. She uh, scritches uh, Jerry's head um, as she looks over to him and says, so how are you doing with the, the whole thing? Oh, you know me, I've been in stranger places than a baking show in America where the host gets murdered. Oh, do tell. Oh, well, I was on Stranger Places. Oh, right. I think I used to see that in syndication. Yes, it was good fun. We went to the strangest places. Is it okay if I ask you a couple questions? You know, the uh, the local sheriff asked us to check a few things out. Oh, that's weird, but okay. I mean, is it weirder than America? That's a good point. I like the way you've decorated the judge's tent, by the way. It, it fits. 
Yes, that was, uh, well, frankly, we took a best guess. Do you know, uh, do you know of anything going on with Paul? Do you think that would have led to this? Led to him getting murdered? Well, yeah. I mean, the man could, the man could be a little rough around the edges. Enough to want to kill him? Well, no, not, I, I don't know why anyone would be that mad at him unless say he uh, insulted their baking, I suppose. Some of these contestants do take it rather seriously. Do you think you suspect one of the contestants? Well, she'll lean in and say, sorry, he'll lean in and say, that Maxine does look capable. Violet just sort of laughs and says, mm. she leaves it at that. I, I don't think any, I don't think I know anyone capable of murder, but, uh, well, I suppose one of you are. Where were you when uh, when Paul was found? Where was I when Paul was found? Oh, it was in my trailer. Anyone else was with you? No, I don't think so. It's hard to tell sometimes. There's a lot of mirrors in there. Violet just rose smirks and says, so there's no one else that can vouch for where you were? Hmm. No. No, I don't think there are. I love how, like, clueless he is with this. Um, Violet uh, just sort of, like, incredulously listens to Timothy as he's just, like, is completely unconcerned at the fact that his alibi is not watertight at all um and she just kind of shrugs and says all right thanks do you uh do you happen to know where sue was by the way when what when when paul was found oh 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 i i hmm. no Haven't the foggiest. Violet uh, nods her head and says, okay, thanks, I think. And as you, you leave, he turns back to the tree and you realize that you can't be sure he's having a comedic monologue. He could just be arguing with the tree. It is time for the results. And as you all come back to your little seats in the tent and Jane takes her position at the front, 
flanked on either side by Sue and uh, Timothy. And Sue is holding a, a cake platter made of crystal with jolly good baking show, Brindlewood Bay, and the year written on it. And Timothy is holding a, a vase of just lovely flowers. And they're going well. Jane has come to a decision. And she nods and she says, this was, this was incredibly hard, not just because I don't have my usual co-judge, but because I know that I know how important it is, how important it would be to Paul to choose the correct person here. And I thought about it long and hard. All of your cakes were just delicious. And some of you created just the most amazing works of art. Your biscuits yesterday weren't all successes, but you cooked with so much heart despite what we had all just been through. And your pies. Your pies are a credit to the expression of baking itself. You should all be so proud and pleased with yourselves. You are on par with not just Brindlewood Bay's bakers, but all of the bakers we have had on this show. And for that, I would like to give you just the warmest congratulations on behalf of me, the crew, and Paul. But only one of you can win the Jolly Good Baking Show. And so I am pleased to say that the winner of this, our Brindlewood Bay season of Jolly Good Baking Show on the Road is five minute break. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> five minute break. See you in five minutes. Five minute break isn't a contestant. <laughs> it is one. We're back in five minutes. Now, before we announce the winner, I am going to give you the opportunity to have done your theorized role in the break before Jane got back. You have all the crew here. You have everyone. This is the perfect opportunity for a locked room solution scene. If you would like to roll theorize, you could interrupt this whole thing to announce who did it. If you get it right, of course. Or that's drama. Yeah, that's that's the game. That's the name of the game here. Mm -hmm. So you have 14 clues altogether. <laughs> 
if you manage to account for uh, all of them, you will be rolling with uh, plus seven, which means you cannot get it wrong. You only need to account for uh, 12 of them to get to the point where you cannot get it wrong. So would you would you like to pursue this idea? Sure. That sounds Do appropriately it. dramatic. All right, mm -hmm. well then. For clues, let's just do a refresher. You have a rolling pin flecked with blood. You have Paul's body showing signs of poisoning. You have a pile of receipts suggesting Paul's extravagant expenditures. You have heard of his unreasonable contractual demand. And uh, you saw outtakes suggesting a very tense off-camera relationship between Jane and Paul. Uh, Paul received a sheet cake with a hateful message written, written in blood red icing on it. And uh, you know that the production has gotten a dressing down from the head of the BBC because of Paul's demands. And there was a heated argument about British politics between Paul and someone. And stacks of love letters for Paul from the British Prime Minister. You found a shattered Briddy Award of Paul Riviera's from uh, the judge's tent, but you found it in Sue's trailer. And you found a cookbook authored by Jane Leaf and Paul Riviera, but with one of Paul's recipes torn out, a plea of for financial help from Sue to Paul, and a pair of plane tickets to somewhere far, far away. Think like Tahiti. And you found extremely valuable diamond earrings shaped like tiny loaves of bread. Okay, so first of all, is anyone leaning in any particular direction? I could see like... Um, Paul and Scott, right? Totally a thing. Um, Paul likes, or uh, kind of half baked. <laughs> um, Paul, uh, like to give gifts to Scott and so the contractual demand um the unreasonable and Paul was kind of trying to ask for more money um so he could feed uh so he could use that for buying the more expensive things um which explains the receipts so receipts Contractual demand. Um, what are we thinking about suspect or like, are you thinking that Scott did it or? No, I okay. think, I think 
maybe it's Donna who did it because yeah, they had like an agreement or whatever, like open marriage or something, but she suspected that Paul was like falling too deep for Scott. Um, no, wait, no, yes, no, yes. Um, and so let me see. So receipts, contract. Um, what else? Rolling pin, let's say, um, so Paul probably was poisoned. Um, that was like the main method, but then the poison wasn't acting fast enough. And so that's when the rolling pin came into play because. Um, we didn't wanted... see any signs of like blunt trauma on his body though, right? Nobody else was. We don't have to. Uh... <laughs> I mean, you can. All it's there. A lot. Um, I'm explaining it. Uh... <laughs> uh, what else? But like, who are we like? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced by Donna. Like, let's, let's run through the, through the roster, right? Like, Donna did Donna... it. <laughs> and Donna, so Donna sent the cake herself. She didn't make it, but she had the cake sent to them or whatever um, to make it. It was like. a sheet cake. It was a sheet. And not cake. something anyone it's here true. would. It's true. It's true. Not something any of the contestants, at least. It's true. Um, let's see what else. Um, I don't believe financial help. The plane tickets. Um, Paul was trying to go away with Scott. Um, and the BB, the head of the BBC sent the letter to Paul saying if he was really trying to leave, then like they couldn't find anybody else and it'd be a detriment to the show, blah, 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 blah. Um, how many is that? <laughs> we still got like a bunch got the... to cover, like the Brady Award, the cookbook, the plea for financial help, the diamond earring. Donna smashed the award because she was mad. She's like, this wasn't in our agreement for you to catch feelings for Scott and try to like run away from it all, from us. What about us? I thought we had this figured out. Okay, that account that gets you up to rolling with plus zero. So how do we work in the cookbook there? Like Scott um, used Scott used Paul's right. Recipe. So Scott Scott or um Paul gave Scott the recipe for the cake that he made. So he was able to study beforehand. So then he would okay. be the one to like win and Correct. get like yes prize. Yes. Um, let me see. Yeah, the off or um, 
the argument or I guess Jane and Paul not really getting along because Jane probably um, knew that Paul or uh, got caught wind of the so when he requested the changing contract or whatever um and with it being so unreasonable jane caught wind of it and so that's what kind of made their relationship rocky because she thinks he's endangering the show yes um knowing that Paul is either loaded or is asking for more money asks him for help because she's like I know you got it or at least you're like trying to get more money so help me out that's what the financial help is about I'm gonna do this um <laughs> You got plus three. So would he, do you think maybe Oh, I that... said he was poisoned. He was poisoned. He was trying to, he was po initially poisoned when um, Donna, Donna, Donna was trying to kill him. But again, it was, it wasn't acting fast enough or maybe she did it wrong because she, she don't really. Um... It's her first murder. It's her first murder. She doesn't know. And so that's why she used the rolling pin um, to seal the deal. Okay. How did so she the... poison him, though? Oh. With poison, duh. It's yeah, yeah, like... but like, <laughs> yeah, but how, like... Did she it to him? Did she put it in his in food? Yes, she put it in food, but um, uh... No, she put it in a drink or something like that. But like because of the, let's say she put it in alcohol, but um, because of there was a chemical reaction, so it slowed the actual effect of the poison. Okay. <laughs> plus four. Um, so let's say that the love letters were from the British Prime Minister and the argument that we heard we thought was about British politics, but it was actually about the British prime minister. And who were, who was arguing? Um, Paul and Donna, because didn't, didn't he have, was it, did he receive the letters? They were to him. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they were to him. Yes. Yeah, so Brian, British prime minister was like, I get, so nothing happened, but like British Prime Minister was like, come be with me, like you, you hot, I see you on TV all the time. And Donna's like, what is this? Are y'all like doing it? And Paul's like, no, whatever, whatever. And then they're like talking about, you know, quote unquote politics, but it's really about. I the like letters. that. I like that. Um, and and the then earrings. the diamond earrings. Sue had them, right? Yes. Yeah. She had gone to Paul to ask for like financial help. 
Right. So she was trying like, to get. So those were like a bribe or something. Yeah, like throw you a bone or kind of thing. Maybe she stole them. Like maybe they were Paul's, and he said no, and she was like, "Fine," and she took them. I mean, they're shaped like tiny loaves of bread. I mean, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that being like like a petty steal kind of thing. A steal or Sue got the earrings to give to Paul so he could give them to Scott and she was like, hey, you know, if I give you this, are you going to give me money? <laughs> money, please. <laughs> because I'm helping you why, out. Why would she do that, though? Because he can afford to, like, get, like, anything, pretty much. Um, I think it, it makes more sense if, like, she, like, stole them stole or took him. them. Sure. She's stealing. Okay. So... Like it's for, Donna for poisoning though, like that's that's kind of premeditated. Why is Donna killing him? Because he went beyond their arrangement. Like they agreed to, I guess, just keep it. They have casual. joint finances. Oh, and this frees it all they up have... for her. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, they have joint finances, and he has started pouring all this money into right. Scott. Right. You know, and endangering like, her way of life. Okay. All right, I like it. So, are you you happy with that? So, uh, Donna. Donna. Wow, these women killing their husbands. Another one, <laughs> Donna. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not convinced. I think we can do better. Hit, what is your What is your suggestion, sir? So, I think it was a joint murder. I think it was Jane and Timothy. Oh, okay. Really? Go on. Can I Can I uncheck these so I can work through them? Yeah, just just uncheck them instead of checking them, and and we'll... All right, so it all starts with the unreasonable contractual demands and the tense off-camera relationship. Paul, uh, it came to light that Paul was asking for all of these, all this extra money um, to the point where Jane realized he was trying to leave the show and was trying to just be so unreasonable that they would have no choice but to let him go. Or if they didn't let him go, he'd have a ridiculous amount of money and it would it would have to come out of everyone else's contract. So that caused the tension between the two of them. And she knew that it would probably end the show this show was doing well for her, although she's a beloved 
uh, celebrity. Um, certainly, the cooking show has propped up sales of her books and has kept her financially stable. So, uh, Paul's wild gallivanting about uh, was threatening her retirement. And so she decided to scare him and to try to get him to, to back down and be reasonable. So her plan was to start by threatening him. And so she arranged the, the sheet cake to come. Obviously, um, it's a distraction from it being her, right? Because she wouldn't do a sheet cake. It's two thing, but really it was, it was, it's a red herring. It's, it's, it's a misdirection rather. And so her plan was to get him off, off footing with the cake and then to dose him during the show so that he would appear um, drunk, unprofessional, maybe a bit suggestible um, with the dual goals of one, trying to sort of threaten him directly. And two, if that didn't work, um, having leverage of, of footage of him just being like unprofessional that she could then release to hurt any future prospects that he would have. So in the judge's tent, she doses him and then gets Timothy to go and be the, the sort of the, her strong arm because that's how Timothy got on the show in the first place is she pulled some strings. She wanted a puppet. Um, Timothy is kind of clueless about the entire thing. He, he goes into Paul's trailer. Um, the dosage is not quite right. They struggle and he hits him with the rolling pin, intending to like it, it escalated because Paul was supposed to be pretty incapacitated by the by the, the dosing and actually wasn't. He was like two of 10 and should have been like seven of 10. The, um, the pile of receipts just in extravagant expenditures is related to uh, the relationship again with um, with uh, Scott. Scott, sorry, yes. Um, which is just like, that's one sort of the reason that Paul was done. Like he, he had a decent amount of money and was planning to effectively run off, hence the plane tickets. Unfortunately, um, Sue found out about this. Um, Sue kept going back to Paul for financial help. And during uh, her skulking about near the judges areas, she actually heard some planning about this. So uh, the diamond earrings are actually Jane's and she was bribing Sue 
to keep quiet. The, um, the financial help, I mean, that was just what Sue needed. So uh, Jane effectively bought her off temporarily with the earrings. I don't know what they're waiting for, so I, I don't know. I guess I'm running with Steam. <laughs> I really like Martin's tying the argument about British politics with the love letters from the Prime Minister. Like, that is just, that's really cute. And so I think you could still, like, Matt, turn on push. Um, thank you. Uh, I think you could still go with that, like the love letters upset Donna, who who thought he was seeing another person and breaking their their contract, and thus what we heard them arguing about sounded like British politics, but it was just arguing about the prime minister and the shattered Britty award. Maybe that was from. I'm not supposed to be be helping you with that. Actually. You are. I don't know what yeah. you're doing. <laughs> I don't know why you're doing this. Well, I can I can still weigh in. I can I can help expand. I can't like can't explain. So that could easily so be uh, Sue and uh, Paul said no to Sue's help, and so Sue like took his award and was like, "You don't deserve this," and threw it to the ground. Um, like that that still tracks with her motivations, and that's perhaps how uh, how Jane knew just how desperate and and because that's that's the thing that you know should Paul say something about it could get her kicked off the show, which is not going to help her financially. So that's how she knew how to have leverage over Sue. And the the cookbook with Paul's recipe ripped out. I mean. Martin, your suggestion for that still works too. He ripped it out to give to Scott. Which makes sense. If they're planning to to run off after after this, it's like here, do this, you'll win. I will have uh an out from the contract. Hey. There, there's an alternate theory. So what do y'all think? You you've both accounted for everything, so So if it is two people, with? do we have to worry about them like coming after us? <laughs> depends how you roll. No. Uh, depends on, depends on the roll and <laughs> If you get a uh, ten or above is correct solution. Yep, and you can take them down. If you get a seven to nine, it's correct, but there will be a complication. Like perhaps the culprits will try to keep you quiet, like with Amanda. 
So you are guaranteed to get at worst a seven to nine. Because you'd be rolling with plus seven. So uh, the lowest you can get is nine. What is, what, what, what do you think, Crazy? What is your take? I don't have like a, a third angle uh, <laughs> for this. I think we've covered our possibilities space pretty well. So I'm just trying to think of. Right now I'm doing risk assessment. As in, like, <laughs> what's what's worse for us if it goes wrong? Like, having one person or two people? Like, like That's, one murderer or two murderers, potentially? I mean, us. well, could it still be, like, if, if, if we go with Mad's theory, like, it could still be Shane, but she just like manipulates Tim into doing things, so it could still be just the one part, right? And if you go with your theory, I could decide that the complication is Buck will defend Donna and yeah. perhaps even physically. So, uh, they're kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't. All right. Yeah, you let me worry about the uh, the threats. <laughs> see, threatening us again. That's what I do. I threaten little old ladies. Y'all got that, right? It's recorded, <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> I got it recorded. Recorded anyway. and reported! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's... Now it's up to you. Which, what, what, What's the solution you're going with? And then whoever wants to roll, roll... 2d6 plus 7. Now, which do we want to back? Tracy's the swing vote here, so. <laughs> I hate being the swing vote. I'm a bisexual. How dare you make me choose? <laughs> um... <laughs> Tracy did help with my idea, so <laughs> we came up with it together. So I like I, I like them default. both. Like I like I do like how Martin's fits like very well together, and I do like how Matt's is like it is more of a stretch, but that also means it's like it's not the obvious solution kind of thing and that's also very narratively interesting to me i'm just kind of so like jane leaf a murderer who would ever have suspected it's such drama she's so sweet although to be fair she didn't intend to kill him no she just intended to like drug him in like completely like defame him uh yes <laughs> and then decided to like yeah knock him out is that is that how 
can you repeat how the rolling pin played into it? Oh, so Timothy went to go threaten him when he was supposed to be pliable. Uh, he was not anywhere near as pliable. And so Timothy had to like hit him with the rolling pin to try to like cal- well, calm him down uh, uh, to to threaten him and uh, hit him too hard. So this There's is a like bonus. more of an involuntary manslaughter dealie. A bonus question. Was Jane responsible for the very well-plated knot then, too? Yeah, I was also looking at that and trying to... was wondering how that fit in to I mean, both I mean, of these things. It, it's more plausible than Donna, because it was going to be something like... The plating is going to be someone who has baking skill. Or it could... You, you could just go with Timothy can tie a real fancy knot because he can... He knows a random usually useless skills like that or because he's he's hosted or hosted the show for long enough that he picked up on some things donna you could you can make an excuse for donna to be able to do it too though wait for what the the fancy knot yeah the knot was that he he, like he was tied up when he died you know it had like fancy plating uh, and a strong knot You could just say Donna was into bondage. <laughs> there was one clue that you didn't find that is uh, a ball gag and rope. Huh. But you weren't in any places where I felt like that would be reasonable to locate. In the refrigerator. Exactly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd searched Paul's bedroom hmm. or Scott's house, but I think I'm going to lean to Matt's solution for this because I do like the idea of uh, Jane, like, you know, everybody thinking she's very polite British old lady who can't hurt a fly. And as we know, old ladies, they've still got it. (laughs) It's true, they do. All right, so just as a a recap. But I'm not rolling. That's, I'm just... (laughs) That's true, you gotta roll. Jane heard about Paul's uh, unreasonable demands and knowing that it was going to endanger the show, decided to um, instead make him look unprofessional so he'd be fired and the show would be safe. And more so that she would have leverage to get him to keep being on the show and like reduce his contract back down to something that was maintainable. Okay. All right. And this scheme got, went too far when Timothy uh, panicked and hit Paul with a rolling pin? Yes, because Paul was not out the way he should have been. And uh, Paul was a big spender, spending stuff on Scott, who was a ringer, and he was helping Scott. And Sue tried to get money from him. And when he didn't give it to her, she broke his Britty. And then... Uh, Jane used the diamond earrings as like, here, I'll give you these. 
but you can't tell anyone what you heard about us planning to decredit him. Mm-hmm. Discredit him. And the love letters from the the prime minister and the argument are just something that happened too. Yeah, they are. They are an argument between Donna and and him um, about the terms of their agreement, but they actually had nothing to do with his with his murder. Right. And the the sheet cake was Jane starting off by trying to uh, get him rattled so he'd stop. Yes. Okay, I think that I think that covers it. So, who wants to roll? It's two d six plus seven. I, I stole Martin's thunder, so maybe I can make Martin roll. Fuck no, that's your idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, two d six plus seven. Correct. Swear to God, if you mess this up. 11. Did it. Oh, I got it. did it. That means we're one that means you fucking short again of the yep. damn... You, you are yeah. not getting any void. You're going to fucking reach the end of this season and you'll have learned nothing. Uh, you'll except just that be, Rosemary's having some wonky-ass dreams. Yeah, you will just yeah. be killed in your sleep by the cult. <laughs> who you yes. didn't know existed. All right, well, it is the correct solution. And you have all of the suspects here in the tent with you. And Jane is just about to announce the winner. What do you all do? Do we do we interrupt this? We're, we're, we're going to be stealing someone's thunder if they would have won. What would Paul have wanted? I mean, the argument seems to be Paul would have wanted the show to continue, which, eh. Mm, I don't know. What do y'all think? Up, upstage, Jane or not? Oh, this is difficult. Um, it's more dramatic if we upstage. It's also unexpected, so we'll be on film then. It doesn't give them a chance to cut as immediately. That's true. It would be a defensive posture if it's being filmed. Yeah. And like, because Buck has nothing to do with this solution. There's no reason for him to necessarily stop filming. So maybe he won't. Mm -hmm. Plus, like, if we interrupt, it'll maybe just initially look like, oh, this is good drama for television. Heath, by the way, we haven't mentioned him today. Heath is is there. He was in the tent talking, uh, walking around, getting camera stuff.
I would say upstage after we hear the first name of the word. <laughs> okay. Peak drama moment. Jane is still hanging in that moment. You actually see Sue has her her hand on Jane's arm, like holding her, her still, reminding her to do the dramatic pause. And then Sue releases her arm, her hand, and says, and Jane says, Scott. Maxine, are you going to interrupt? You seem, Maxine seems the most likely yes. to. Mm -hmm. She does. I don't always want to be the one who does it, but uh, this time <laughs> I'm afraid the, the limelight draws Maxine like a moth to the flame. And she goes, amazing. And for our second announcement of the day, the murderer is... And everyone kind of turns to Maxine like... <gasps> Jane and Timothy. And Sue... Sorry, Timothy drops the the vase of flowers and Jane just turns like sheet white, her eyes wide. And she, uh, Timothy goes, I didn't mean to. I didn't think that the rolling pin would be so hard. And Jane says, shut up, Timothy. Close your boosh. <laughs> and sue drops the crystal which does not shatter just kind of hits and bounces and rolls away and she goes what and heath is like close in on jane's face close in on jane's face and such a and fucking vulture <laughs> buck, buck is putting the camera down and moving to to grab timothy as timothy starts kind of like slinking toward the exit and it's at this point that the back flap opens and sheriff dalrymple is there and he puts his hand on timothy's arm and he says thank you ladies Thanks for giving us the call. I'm you glad. Nick of time every time. Well, that's what happens when Miss Maxine gives me a call to be here. I am at her beck and call, apparently. Oh, so Mr. Boosh. Mr. Boosh, Miss Leaf, if you'll come with me. And Jane is just sputtering, but she she gets led over to the cops with by Sue. And everyone is just stunned, except Buck, who who reaches down and picks up the the uh, award platter and just hands it to Scott, who takes it looking kind of numb. And then he starts crying. And then Melanie starts crying and Buck just goes, I need a new job. <laughs> and we fade to black.
camera picks up again. It is uh, later that evening. You are all, I think you and Sue and Scott and Melanie and Buck and Donna are out at uh, Friar Tucks, which is a, a local restaurant. And you're all kind of celebrating Scott's win, even though the, the actual on-air thing didn't work out. And Heath is busy trying to smooth over this debacle and see what can be done. And Maxine tries to keep going off and, and like coach Scott on how to like play up this moment for the press and like understanding like she's not like unsensitive to the fact that he's also grieving, but she's really trying to get him to like use the attention to get a, a career and fame for himself to so he has, you know, he he'll be set after this. She's talking about like how to like score interviews and like when to start when when to write a tell-all book and all that sort of stuff. Miss Maxine, I I do appreciate it, but I think I'm going to take a step back from the spotlight and maybe I'll I'll actually stick around here for a bit. Violet just pours a bottle of red wine into a glass and slides it over to Scott. Scott takes it. Brindlewood Bay would be happy to have you. It is a strange little town, but it's it's nice. Maxine steals the wine for a second, drinks a bit, kind of makes a face and goes, this wine is terrible. Let's have more of it. And Melanie stands up at the the table and she says, well, thank you all for, well, it's been an interesting experience, but uh, I should be getting home. Uh, My dear, I I suspect that um, with today's events, we might be in need of a, a new town bakery again. I hope they're sticking around. Well, uh, despite the the owner's uh, situation, I don't think the Jolly Good Baking or the Riviera Baked Goods is going anywhere. But who knows? Maybe uh, maybe it's time for me to break out of this town and try and try and get a start somewhere else. We'll miss your cookies. I'll be sure to visit. My mom and dad are still here. You know, I'll I'll swing by. Have a good night, everybody. And she departs. And Sue is very drunk at this point, staring kind of despondently down at her food. Um... Who has the earrings? I would assume Rosemary. Yeah, Rosemary could have kept them. Sure. 
Maxine sort of nudges Rosemary. Give her the earrings. The ear. Oh, um, these belong to you. And she looks at them and goes, "They belong to Jane." But well, I, I will take them. Oh, Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she won't miss them. Oh, I'm sure she'll miss a lot of things. Being in, you know, prison. She'll be a real jailbird. <laughs> right. Violet yeah. pours a glass of wine for herself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, are you are you done with this this celebration, girl? I guess. All right. Well then, that concludes the GBBO. You are two for two on successfully solved mysteries. However, as you are leaving. No. There's an Don't evil cake anything. monster. Oh, one moment, please. As you are leaving, um, Yep, you it's not going to work, so you might as well just forget whatever idea you're cooking up. It's fine. Wait, so why is my go home, home safely and <laughs> return to our beds? No, um, as you are leaving. <laughs> Violet. Wait, Leave Violet out of this. In the first episode... Rosemary had the connection with, right, okay, Maxine, sorry, Violet, you, you were the, uh, the establishing person for the GBBO. As you're leaving, Maxine, your phone rings. Yes, darling. Maxine doesn't even look who it is. <laughs> Maxine, Maxine, is that you? Yes, darling. It's me. It's it's Letitia. Letitia, in her younger years, was a hard-hitting, hard-living journalist, and you were close friends with her, though you eventually drew apart. What was the big story that you helped her break, and how did you raise hell together that might surprise people who know you now? We broke a story about 
the all the uh, female stars at a particular production company being paid significantly less than the male stars, even when they had more screen time in many of the films. And this involved uh, stealing some contracts and otherwise, like uh, you know, getting paperwork proof. And Maxine was instrumental in getting those things because given that she had access to the set in a production company. And is that how you raised hell or did you, cause I don't feel like that would surprise people who know you now. The problem is I don't, I don't uh, raising hell in. Mm. I'm struggling to think of something that would like surprise Violet and Rosemary. Yeah. <laughs> like learning like, about Maxine. Maxine is still, is still raising hell. <laughs> She's still very extra. <laughs> Perhaps Maxine uh, physically threatened one of the producers and wasn't just going to go do it, but actually like got into a fist fight. Sure, why not? Yes, I think that would surprise them because they're usually Maxine would like not go so low kind of thing, I think is the impression mm -hmm. that at yes. least Violet has. Usually Maxine has someone else fist fight for her. All right. Well. She goes, uh, Maxine, honey, I'm, I'm in town. Oh, you just missed the most delightful mystery. Oh, well, you know I love a good mystery. But, darling, I'm actually staying at the Snowdrop House. Do you know it? It's uh, it's the new B&B, &B, apparently. Does Maxine know it? Would she know it? Is it fancy enough for her to know it? It is a, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty fancy B&B. &B. It is a renovated old farmhouse on the edge of town that used to be Stockton Farm and now it's Snowdrop House and what you would have heard are that the couple who own it now are they're they're called the Coles and they came from well they came from New York City you don't know exactly what they did there but it was uh, presumably a very lucrative career but now they're here and they get kind of, they get kind of side eyes as, as most newcomers do, but. Um, sure, Maxine will have known about that because she was trying to get felony to visit and there's no room in her house for, for felony to visit. I mean, it's all taken up with wigs and clothing room, dressing rooms and gardens. And, you know, it's, it's only a four bedroom house. There's clearly no room for her daughter to visit. And besides, the bed and breakfast take so much better care. So she was, yeah, she, she was aware of it from that reason. Well, darling, how about, uh, how about afternoon tea with me tomorrow? This sounds lovely. Oh, grand, please. Uh, I, I remember you used to hang around with those those other ladies. They were, you all will have met Letitia at least once when she passed through. 
Why don't you bring, uh, oh, was it Violet and Rosemary? Ah, sure. Can I, can I ask what this is about, Letty? I haven't seen you in ages. It's been yonk, Starlight. We should catch up. Or, sorry, you're asking if I'm here for a story, aren't you? Something juicy, something dishy. Something spicy, even. And Maxie sort of looks over at Violet to get her attention. And Letitia will laugh. And she'll go, oh, those days are long behind me, I'm afraid. No, I've been, uh, I've been asked to review this B&B for, for uh, the Massachusetts... Massachusetts... God, mm-hmm. Massachusetts Star. A, a review of a headed breakfast. That sounds rather banal for you. Yes, well, that's what's left to me now that I'm retired. So what do you say? Tomorrow around oh three? I should be awake by then. Grand, just grand. I can't wait to see you, darling. It's been too long. It has. Take care then until tomorrow. You bet. And she'll hang up. Maxime will relay the the invitation to the others. Letty, it's been how long has it been since you've seen her? Young <laughs> ages and ages. <laughs> I remember this one time that, and then she just looks over at Rosemary and goes, actually, you know that story. Never mind. Which one? Uh, the, the time that we, that we uh, balanced the scales and broke through the glass ceiling together. It's a broken glass everywhere. Oh, Rosemary, never change. And with that, you will be, th- that is the, the uh, what's the word? Hook. Yeah, I guess the hook for your next mystery, which is called The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soulless. That's amazing. And uh, I will leave you with just one more thing. As you are on your way to well, I guess I guess Violet didn't drive since uh, your your vehicle cannot <laughs> seat so many people. As you are on your way to Maxine's car, you see fluttering under the windshield wiper, a little pamphlet. And who who grabs it? Maxine Maxine would not grab it. Maxine would be that person with like four or five parking tickets stuck under the windshield wiper that she's never bothered to get. Violet grabs it. Violet, you find it is an old tourist brochure for for Brindlewood Bay, but it is in the the history section. There's 
a lot of things that you knew about Brindlewood, like you knew it was a, a whaling town, but there are some things, some little details that were uh, very new to you. Like for the fact that in the summer of 1877, the crew of the whaler Deep Reaver set out from Brindlewood Bay. They returned with the strangest whale anyone had ever seen. It had tentacle-like legs and rows of oily black eyes. They sold its parts to buyers all over the world, and its proceeds were used to turn Brindlewood Bay into what it is today. You don't recall hearing about that in any of your history books. Violet reads through the brochure and then kind of just like flips it back and forth in her hands and says, this is spicy. Does it have hot sauce on it? No, Rosemary, it does not. However, what it does have, weirdly enough, is is have either of you ever heard of the Deep Reaver? What, what is that? Some sort of blue film, Lily? I, I don't know. What? It was a whaler. It was a, a ship. Because it set out from here back in the 19th century and they came, it says it here, it came back with some sort of weird creature with tentacle, tentacle legs and, and too many eyes I think and that's this is so strange oh. they oh ghastly they apparently used that those like selling it off helped like found the, the indeed town. they sold off our sheriff's father they apparently the profits from this was this is how Brindlewood base started Strange, but nice. And here I thought it was pilgrims. <laughs> are are the two of you? I forget. Are there, did the two of you grow up here? Because no. Violet specifically didn't. Yeah, Rosemary did not. Either. Well, you should have gotten that for a void clue, but oh well. And with that, uh, we will draw this episode to a close. No. Or, or we could, I, I leave it up to you people. I'm like, I'm, I'm good for another hour. Uh, <laughs> I'm good for another hour, another day. Let's do it tomorrow. I mean, you're not wrong, but I am being told that we should not. He has been <laughs> sick and he should sleep. Uh, but I don't have COVID. I got tested. Yeah, I was going to say your eye cleared up, huh? It did. Yeah. But what I do, well, we'll go over this later. Um, so. So for the stuff we want on the recording, stars and wishes. <laughs> before that, before that, I want to give uh, Maxine a chance to do a 
cozy move. Oh yeah, for your condition. Mm-hmm. So it is you you've picked up this this thing, this uh brochure. Um would you like to One moment. I'll just suspense. Resuming. Um, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do a, a cozy move and get rid of that condition. Okay. I think uh, after they drive uh, everyone, well, Maybe they head back to Maxine's place for a nightcap. Not that, you know, they have not even drinking, but whatever. <laughs> and um, Maxine will look at the brochure and try to like research through her many possible charities to see if she knows anything about like whaling charities to see if she could find someone or someone who knows something about this to share with the others. Because she has all sorts of other things. She once helped a charity for uh, like seeing eye monkeys. Okay. <laughs> what? All right. So we should can't like go to a charity event right now, I imagine. So I, I'm working, yeah, like that, my cozy move is doing that sort of thing. So, I've, unless someone's also got other ideas, like no, that's that's fair. Um, okay, so then I will accept that. Um, you will also stumble upon a clue to the active mystery. So I think what you, what happens is as you are, as you're thinking about Snowdrop House and, and you've, uh, you've heard of Snowdrop House and maybe as you're discussing, that's when it comes up that it's the old Stockton farm. And you recall that Stockton Farm has a history of disappearances related to it. I'll let you decide whether that's people disappearing from or disappeared people being found at, but uh, disappearances related to Stockton Farm. So you get your first clue and you haven't even started the mystery. Well done, Maxine. It's the outfit. And your arm got better. And your arm got better. By the power of drugs that I gave you. Oh, that too. Oh, and the drugs probably. And drugs. All right. So before we get into stars and wishes, let's go over your end of session questions. I went through and thought about them uh, and answered them, I think. So you can tell me Mm -hmm. if you think it's not fair, but you definitely all solved a mystery. Uh, Maxine shared wisdom with Scott 
repeatedly. Repeatedly. And I think breaking into places at night was definitely undermining Sheriff what what Sheriff Dalrymple would be okay with and also undermining, you know, the security of the set and like what Heath would be okay with. So she also just badmouthed him again. Like that behind too. his back. Yep. For sure. So you get three XPs. Hooray. And you can clear out your questions. Violet, I think you behaved like a woman half your age when you uh, tried to bust down that door and then bust out a window and crawled and rescued everybody. And I also think with that cake, you showed the judges that you still got it. Still got it. Rosemary, uh, I think you definitely showed someone that you still got it, it being horse meat and uh, (laughs) got putting it in a cake. I was going to say my outfit, but okay. Oh, your outfit. Well, you know what? I'll take that too. You still only get one, but you, (laughs) yes. Uh, And you definitely shared a memory of a late family member. I'm keeping that one. That's going to be my, (laughs) that's my main. Uh, So you also get three XP and can clear out your questions. And uh, so you're all well on your way to a next advance probably next session if uh, things go well. I'm trying to get us ready because he's going to try to kill us again, y'all. I'm going to do that every session. So I was going to say, we, we knew this going in. You've got uh, you got 10 masks. That's crowns. Hmm? Crowns. I'm sorry, wrong game. <laughs> you have, well, you have nine crowns. Um, anyway, well done. Hurrah, you did it. Yay. And stars and wishes. Who would like to go first? Anyone, anyone? Bueller, Bueller. Stars Stars. for, um, um, (laughs) <laughs> stars for uh tracy your cake description the um cherry blossom cake and the picture um was really lovely um cherry blossom season just well it was over like the end of april no beginning of april actually it was really early this year just happened um so it made me think of like that flavor and it brought it brought me there like your, your the cake description brought me there, so that's what helped me think of how it was successful. Also, stars to Matt for your alternate theory. <laughs> it was fine, I guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Um, because even in my mind, I was thinking my idea. I kind of joked about it, like, oh, you know, another wife killing her husband kind of thing when. You flipped it on its head and, and brought it to a, a new perspective with it being Jane. Uh, so good on you, I guess. Um, Thank you for being graceful about it. <laughs> um, 
stars to Drew, as always, I'm always um, impressed by how you slip into all of these different characters um, and kind of make them believable in a way. So keep up the good work and stop trying to kill us. Thank you very much. <laughs> no promises on that last one, but thank you. Stars to oh no sorry oh, you were going you were, you were already going before so let Tracy go <laughs> yep sorry um stars to Martin for the fucking horse meat you just oh my god uh, nearly killed me I cannot believe just yeah I those I don't know if I want to call is it a cake is it really a, I I guess it's a cake. Creations of rosemaries are are I don't want to say chef's kiss. I'm not sure that's the right sentiment. Mm. Chef's backing away slowly. So yeah, A plus plus. Love it. Maxine, I love like Matt, I love the way you play Maxine. Just like she's a fucking whirlwind all the time. And, like, it's just really fun to, like, experience, like, what she's doing. Um, yeah, it is a trip. And Stars to Drew, uh, also, yeah, for, yeah, like what Martin said, like, just going through all the characters. But also, especially, like, I think you really captured, like, um, the, like, very quirky weirdness of, like, well, Noel Fielding, really, um, in your description of Timothy Bush, and it had me cracking up. I really loved it. Thank you. Like that, uh, like dry, weird quirkiness. He is. He is that. Any uh, wishes? I wish uh, we had just my idea. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just more stuff. Um, maybe like for myself, try to be a little more proactive about like doing things that require roles. I think. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, my my stars would be to uh, first off the cakes, um, most of the cakes, uh, not the horse meat cake. But why y'all hating on horse meat? Y'all didn't even try it. Yet. No, thank you. Go <laughs> um, good. The the description of the. Uh, the cherry blossom cake was yeah just just amazing chef's kiss yep and uh, I feel Matt like you could make the vanilla and lemon swirl sponge cake so uh, inspired by Martin do it please <laughs> thank you do it do it wait for me to come over and then <laughs> <laughs> well practice for me and then get it right when Martin comes over. 
It may take you a lot of practice. So and then send a slice to Tracy. <laughs> um also stars to Violet just like I really like Violet's kind of patience for everybody, but it's like you can tell it's being tested. And Rosemary's dreaminess is a lot of fun to uh, to have the characters react to. That's when Rosemary starts her story. I almost don't want to interrupt you just to see like how long oh, can you go. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I don't know. One day you're going to meet a character who will just just yeah just listen. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Maxine, yeah, you are, Maxine is a force of nature who is a lot of fun to, to have the world react to. Um, my wish is uh, you all should feel more inclined to put on crowns. No. <laughs> you didn't get a single void clue in the last two sessions don't forget you yeah. can put them on even when you succeed to get a, a better success except on the theorized role but uh don't don't be so afraid of the crowns they're they're interesting and also like this is a a limited series if you will and uh your uh your mavens have them there to use. We have to make it interesting enough so it gets picked up for syndication. Right? <laughs> there you go. Um, so don't, just don't be afraid of the crowns. They can be fun. Uh, and I think you, you've reached the point now where four sessions in? Yes, four yes. sessions in. Um, like... You've used fewer crowns than there are than there were sessions. That's pretty good. If each of you were to use a crown each session, you'd probably still be okay for the rest of the series. Like there's you have uh, you do have 10 crowns you can put on before retiring. So I will continue to threaten your lives. That's part of the game. Why you do this? It's what the rules say. Also, I have I do to... like that about this. Just because you yes. can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> That's literally part of this game. It's, it's, it's no, it the, isn't. The rules. Uh, that doesn't fit with my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be some some stakes. Considering you. But can, how are like, they cooked? Oh, oh. in a cake uh, <laughs> true oh. it's a piece of cake to make a pretty cake oh my oh, god no why i haven't thought about that in ages oh dear i think i'm missing something and it sounds like it's good no it's actually pretty great hold on so i'll send it to you later um <laughs> i've never seen the show that it's from like i don't it's i know about it only secondhand but this song there's a, a mashup of it and Little Wayne that was stuck in my head for like three weeks several years Action. ago. <laughs> Little John. Little John, I'm sorry. 
uh, and uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you, folks, for another another Brindlewoody Bay. Oh, I thought you. Oh no, you. Okay, yes, Matt. Stars and wishes. It's fun. <laughs> I don't have any. Just, just go. We're good. We're done. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, um, I had a star for uh, Tracy. I think I think you really nail the little mannerisms for Violet. Like Violet pours herself a glass of wine. It's just it's like the perfect understated, just like mm, excellent. I was so happy with that. Um, Rosemary, horse meat, really? Oh my god! I I mean it. It's so ridiculous and terrible and amazing. So, yep, yep. I, I, I'm going to be thinking about the horribleness that is that in my brain for a while. So thank you for that. Um, I also really, yeah, I want to chime in. I love, I love Rosemary's stories and I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the day that Drew just doesn't, just doesn't stop you from, from going. Oh, it'll be a standoff. <laughs> um wishes i just i love the stories i just want you to get more clues from them though i'd like they need to be they need to direct them just slightly somehow i don't know how it sounds really hard i'm sure it is going to be not easy but i'm always just like you need to ask a thing but you're telling a story and i don't want you to stop telling a story either yeah so take that totally unusual piece of advice um <laughs> Um, what else? Wishes? Uh, Drew, stop threatening Jerry. That's not allowed. <laughs> I, I'm gonna fucking put it as a line. I you, swear, Jerry is invulnerable. You gotta bring. If you bring Jerry, Jerry's gonna be in trouble. I feel it's, like the, like Matt's trying to do like the the uh, the dog meat hack for for Fallout. Yes. We'll just send I, Jerry in first anyway, and and discomfort for animals is going to be a hard line, and then it'll, he'll be invulnerable. <laughs> but, but you have you always have a way to save Jerry. We have we have crowns. You have that's, crowns. That's the incentive to use crowns here. Exactly. <laughs> that all the crowns are going to be used on saving Jerry. It could happen. <laughs> I also hope we get to see uh, the motorbike. So the last two things have been uh, either on the water or right in Brindlewood Bay. So um, that will, that will happen really (laughs) soon. I added that there's a sidecar for Jerry on the motorbike. I saw that. Oh my God, does Jerry wear goggles? He wears goggles. Oh my god i'm sorry they're called doggles oh my god (laughs) all right so i will stop the recording now thank y'all on that note doggles